Hey, you guys, I'm Clarissa, and you are listening to Listen and Know, a podcast focused on health and wellness education and support while using the lens of premenstrual disorders or PMDs. Whether you struggle with a PMD yourself, you have female biochemistry and hormones, or you know, work, live with a female, which pretty much will cover everybody, you will find something here that will benefit you and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and listening, and I hope you will join me on this journey to better understand PMDs and manage your health and wellness. Please note this podcast might bring up topics that are sensitive in nature as we share true stories of PMD experiences. Hey, friends, welcome back to Listen and Know. (laughs) I recorded a podcast last week and got it all ready to upload and realized that I had never unmuted my microphone. So (laughs) we got to try this again. (laughs) Such is the life. I hope you guys are having a great summer. It's getting really hot here where I am and uh, just enjoying being actually home. I'm finally done traveling for a little bit. So I'm happy to be back. My husband and I went to Montreal and then my husband did an Ironman up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So we were gone for a little bit and now we're home for a little bit before we do some final travel before the school year actually starts again. Can't believe that that's coming so fast. However, I still want to keep this going for you. So we're here. Today, we're going to have a little bit of some real talk. I thought it was time to bring back another PMDD real talk with you and share a little bit about me and my experience with PMDD. If you're just beginning to join us and this is your first time, you might want to go back and listen to a couple of the very first episodes from this season so you get an idea of what PMDD is. If not, you can just listen along and then go back if you're curious or if you have questions. I always love the feedback that I get when I do uh, some sort of real talk podcast episode because I feel like it hits home to a lot of people just through the vulnerability in the story. And so I plan on doing that. Remember that this might trigger you and I'm not trying to in any sort of way. Um, we all have uh, uncomfortable emotions and memories that um, we're experiencing. And so I want you to know that I I see you and I understand that. And that's why I share this to help you know that you are not alone in your health journeys. So today I want to talk a little bit about the idea of uh ophorectomy or complete hysterectomy being a cure for PMDD and my choice in uh, not having a complete hysterectomy or ophorectomy to um, quote unquote cure my PMDD. So PMDD really doesn't have a cure right now. There's probably 80% of people and I'm ballparking that, but 80% of women who get a hysterectomy that receive a uh, complete remission of premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So there's a high percentage that experience reprieve from their symptoms. However, when you have that complete hysterectomy or ophorectomy, there's consequences in that. I like how my uh, therapist and I talk about 
having PMDD is on one side of a coin and having an ophorectomy is on the other. You never know when you flip that coin over the symptoms that you will receive. You know, it's it's like the devil is on both sides. You're going to experience some sort of symptom change, um, but you're going to have symptoms by making the choice to have an elective surgery to cure your PMDD. So um, I want to talk about the different, the just three of the procedures and why, how they are a little bit different, and then talk to you a little bit about what my thoughts are on that and my experiences with this are, and be able to kind of level with you why I have chosen not to. And maybe you can get some insight in that. Remember, everybody's journey is individual. You know, health is personal and possible. That's kind of my tagline in my business. And I truly believe that even in things like this, especially in women's health, that it's personal, but it is possible. I do believe that there is a reprieve from suffering, reprieve from symptoms uh, to reach optimal health so much. So let's talk a little bit about what a hysterectomy is. So a hysterectomy is a surgery that takes out the uterus. Sorry, my kids um, are outside and somebody was screaming. (laughs) So I just got a little bit distracted there. Okay. So a hysterectomy is a surgery that removes the uterus. The uterus is the organ that holds uh, a fetus during pregnancy. That's where the baby grows. That's only in a female body. Um, It includes the cervix, which is also a piece of that at the bottom of the uterus. In the uterus is also where the uh, period tissues build up and then that uterus will contract to slough off that those tissue buildups if you are not pregnant, right? That's the first day of our menstrual cycle is that first day of bleeding. And that's where the uterus is contracting to slough off that tissue. So that's where that builds up. Um, It's about the size of a fist, but it definitely grows in size as the uh, if you are pregnant and your baby grows, but it grows in size throughout the month, that's why we get a little bit of bloating in that area or bigger uh, roundness in that area is because that that uterus will expand during the last phase of the menstrual cycle as a female is building up the majority of that tissue and as progesterone gets higher, like it tends to swell a little bit. So it's it's kind of a idea that it gets inflamed. And, you know, that cramping is going to inflame that a little bit. Plus, if you have any sort of uh, PCOS or, or endometriosis, then we're adding on top of just a normal uh, uterus expansion. So the um, total hysterectomy is underneath a hysterectomy, and that's where it involves the uterus and the cervix. Then there's a subtotal hysterectomy. And that's where it removes the uterus, but you leave the cervix. And then there's a radical hysterectomy, and that's used to treat cancer of the cervix or the uterus, and it removes the uterus, cervix, fallopian tubes, and the ovaries. So radical hysterectomy. So then there's also a complete hysterectomy, and that removes the uterus and the ovaries that sometimes call that some sometimes that is called a bilateral salpingo ophorectomy. The ovaries 
are the female reproductive organs that produce eggs, but they also produce hormones. And right, remember PMDD is a severe reaction to normal changing hormones. So it's quite possible that uh, your ovaries, your uterus, all of those things are very healthy, but the it's just your quote unquote allergy or sensitivity to the normal changing hormones that causes that, you know, you have these PMDD symptoms. So then there's finally an ophorectomy and that's where you remove one or both of the ovaries, but you can do it as a standalone procedure and leave the uterus and the cervix and the fallopian tubes, right? It can be done at the same time as a hysterectomy, right? And that's why we call that a complete hysterectomy, or it can be done on its own. Um, there are a lot of ladies who get uh, ovarian cysts. And so they'll have like a unilateral ophorectomy, which is just where they take one. There's many reasons why somebody would need any one of these procedures, whether it's bad health, uh, cancer, extra heavy menstrual bleeding, if they have endometriosis, if they have prolapse, there's all these different types of female reproductive issues going on in our bodies. Number one, it can be caused by genetics. Number two, it can be caused by our circumstances. Number three, it can be caused by our lifestyle choices. So there's all these different, different connections and different combinations which makes a female reproductive health, female hormonal health so important to individualize and makes it so important for you to be able to listen to your own body and advocate for yourself, especially that uh, inner whisper. I posted on Instagram just this past week about making sure that we listen to that inner whisper because that whisper is is the strong, the truth that we usually have. If we listen to that, uh, it will tell us where we need to go and how, where we need to head might not be the complete truth, but it's definitely a beginning point and a starting point of where we need to head. So, um, moving on, there's risks to getting any one of these procedures, right? So I kind of talked about um, the having a devil on both sides of the same coin. So there's risk of like infection, right? Which doesn't happen very often, but you can, especially having this for somebody with PMDD, most of the time, this is an elective surgery, not necessarily something that is uh, required in order to sustain health. So um, you can have bleeding, there can be damage to other organs. Like these are all very rare things, but with any of these things, you're technically putting your body, not any of them. There's different levels. Let me put it. I need to put it that way. There's different levels that with these type of surgeries or procedures that you are going to experience early menopause. So that is a risk in itself. And we're going to discuss a little bit more about that. So if you remove your ovaries, right? This is our egg producing, hormone producing. If you're removing your ovaries, you're putting your body into menopause because the majority of our estrogen and progesterone are produced in our ovaries. 
This can cause symptoms such as all of those menopause symptoms, but a few like hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, uh, your skin will not reproduce elastic, uh, ness. You might get, um, have severe problems with, uh, digestion, bone health. We I've talked a little bit before in a couple previous episodes about specific female hormones and what they do for the body. And it's important to go back and listen to that because you're taking out your progesterone and you're taking out your estrogen when you take out the ovaries. So any one of those procedures that takes out your ovaries, you're putting your body into early menopause. Our bodies are not meant to go into menopause until we are after we are done with our reproductive years and that change uh, will cause a lot of women to suffer from these symptoms in a time when their bodies weren't supposed to be suffering. And technically we're aging ourselves earlier if we have that surgery earlier. So I want to be, you know, have you be aware of that. One of the reasons why I have chosen not to take out my ovaries is because of this specific risk that you will put yourself into early menopause. Now there are people who take HRT to prevent that. So they take out the uterus, they take out the ovaries, and then they take hormone replacement therapy, HRT. There are significant risks with that, which have not been, I think, fully disclosed, let alone fully studied because it's a newer type of treatment post hysterectomy. So HRT is when you're putting synthetic or natural hormones, not from your own body, but natural hormones back into your body to help give your body what it needs in order to stay out of menopause, but still not have a menstrual cycle. So um, there are lots of women who have like a progesterone patch or an estrogen supplement that they take to help them stay. prevent a lot of these symptoms. What I find though with most women is it takes about up to five years to find the right amount of hormone replacement therapy, the right levels for them to feel like they are quote unquote normal again. Um, Also, a lot of women who may be misdiagnosed with premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PME will find that their symptoms don't go away because that was a misdiagnosis and that really wasn't what was going on with their bodies. In that regard, a little bit of personal here, my therapist and I discussed the possibility that if I had my ovaries removed to help get rid or cure PMDD, that it wouldn't happen because maybe my anxiety, my depression, uh, my overthinking, some of those things uh, would be maybe more biological for me. And there is the possibility that those things won't go away after I have surgery. And so am I willing to take on the risk of having to put my body into early menopause to maybe not receive a reprieve of my symptoms. And for me, the answer is no, that I have learned enough about PMDD uh, that I'm willing to undertake the 10 days out of every month right now to manage and to have that instead of relying on 
uh, maybe a surgery that won't work taking that risk. So I'm not willing to do that. Now, however, I get through PMDD and I'm like, oh my gosh, please just take everything out. <laughs> like all of it out. But I recognize that that brings consequences that I don't know if I want because I've never been there. And this is kind of not a procedure you can like undo if you don't like it. Right. Um, so there are benefits of having um, the hysterectomy or the ophorectomy. So certain medical conditions, heavy menstrual bleeding, right? Pain and pressure caused by fibroids, uh, fibroids, um, ovarian cysts. It can treat, it can get rid of cancer. It can help with your cervix, um, endometriosis or prolapse. My mom had prolapse and having a hysterectomy was a huge benefit for her. However, they left her ovaries. So she still produced female hormones. So she didn't have her period, but she still cycled. So I need to define that. If you have just a hysterectomy where they take out your uterus and or your cervix, you still cycle because your ovaries are what are producing the hormones that go in that 28 day cycle. So um, that's why it's important to make sure that the procedure that you're having done is the right one for your body and reprieves the symptoms or the disease that you are having. There's quite a few women on a forum that I'm on that talk about having a hysterectomy. And it's really important for you to always define the type of hysterectomy that you're talking about, because you would not want to go in and just have your uterus removed. If you were doing that for PMDD and you learn that you actually needed to have your ovaries removed to possibly cure PMDD and your uterus has nothing to do with PMDD. So you want to be, you want to be careful about defining what type of hysterectomy that you have, um, or that you are electing to have done. Uh, and a benefit of having an ophorectomy would be that you don't cycle anymore. And so for somebody who is highly sensitive to those female hormones, that is going to be the benefit for them there. Now we can get into having uh, certain types of procedures for birth control, but that mainly is just disconnecting the fallopian tube from the uterus. So you can have your tubes clipped or you could have your uterus removed and those two procedures would then prevent that egg from implanting and being fertilized, right? Uh, because those tubes are tied or the um, the uterus isn't there for that egg to uh, fertilize egg to then implant into that tissue, right? And grow. So there are alternatives to having... Uh, a hysterectomy or an ophorectomy. So you can um, do medication. So I know a lot of doctors will do birth control over a hysterectomy. Now, again, that has its own uh, symptoms. It's its own devil on the other side of the coin. So, you know, you're kind of trading in symptoms, which is really unfortunate that we don't have like this very whole natural complete reversal of procedure for women's health to have a better health option. And I'm so grateful for science that it is changing there. 
but you can do birth control. And there are some women who find that just having some sort of birth control to level out their hormones is very efficient for them. And again, that's why sometimes I wonder if a lot of women are misdiagnosed with PMDD because some women who take birth control find that having a stable level actually makes them feel more crazy. So there is this, this dance that you do when it comes to medications. Now, another alternative to a hysterectomy, if you have like the heavy bleeding or the endometriosis is to have an ablation, that's where they go in and they burn the tissue inside the uterus so that it does not make near as much tissue. It prevents the growth of that tissue. Um, that's a painful process, but it it's very helpful for women who have heavy bleeds Um, I have considered it myself, but that is not a cure for PMDD. That is not going to stop those hormones from cycling uh, through your body in that 28-day cycle. So then there's uh, uterine fibroids. They can be removed through surgery, right? You can treat those with medication. Um, Those are more of like a spot treatment type of thing in the surgery, um, and the medication can help with pain. So there are alternatives. You also can go into what's called a chemical menopause where you can take a birth control or a shot to completely prevent the period from happening. And that, uh, prevents the hormones from going through your body. But again, you're putting yourself into menopause. So, uh, do you want to do that at such an early age? I think a lot of women want that because they're desperate for reprieve from that cycle. The cycle, our our world and our culture is not built to accommodate a beautiful female cycle. A world is built to accommodate males' 24-hour hormone cycles. And I love men. Like I, I am appreciative that we have different genders in this world. That's what I'm trying to say. But I do think that it's at a disadvantage to females who really, really try to uh, and need to insert themselves into the culture to be uh, part of the culture and to contribute to culture. In order to do that, we have to adjust and shift and change our, um, our makes, right? And so I think women want that reprieve of that cycle because we have been taught and told that it's an inconvenience instead of embracing that and really um, making our culture friendly towards that, the, the ups and downs of a female cycle. I want to caution against just taking the fast route of birth control or the fast route of chemical menopause or the fast route of getting surgery. If you do have sensitivities to hormones, because I think that there's so many things that we can do before we uh, just take those quick fixes. And those, like I, like I've been talking about this whole time, like those quick fixes have their own symptoms then that we have to worry about. And those also are not beneficial to us as well. I get asked a lot by women who have PMDD or have hormonal issues why I have chosen not to have an ophorectomy or a complete hysterectomy. One of those reasons I've shared with you, and that's because I don't want to put myself into menopause until I absolutely have to. 
because I don't like the consequences of menopause. Um, a lot of women tend to gain weight in their middle area as their estrogen and progesterone stop producing. So you, you would, I've heard it called like the, um, the tire or the, the lifesaver. So those type of things start to happen with our bodies as we don't have hormones. And we actually really need to have hormones in order to help us keep our weight stable. So as long as possible, I would like to keep my hormones that way. The second reason is about eight years ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and we've come to the conclusion through our studies of that specific type of breast cancer that she possibly like 95% possibly, uh, got breast cancer from taking hormone replacement therapy as she aged. And so if she has those cancer markers in her body, it's quite possible that I have those in mine. So if I were to get an ophorectomy now, the next procedure there is for a woman to take HRT. And I want to avoid that because I would rather have PMDD than have to go through uh, the scare of cancer and the fear of cancer and that process. And so I avoid that. Now I know that there are, when it comes to HRT, there's your, like your synthetics and then you, there's, you know, the HRT that has been made from hormones and that's a lot better for your bodies. But in all honesty, we really haven't had any HRT around long enough to understand what it's really doing to a female body over time. Um, because it's only been, you know, like 20 years for the synthetic and less than that for the, for the better quote unquote, better kind. So, um, I have chosen to actually have PMDD. And because of that, I really have to mindfully reflect on that choice when I have PMDD symptoms uh, each cycle because I can really get angry at it. And sometimes I do, and it truly is a healing process. Every time I go through it, I have to recommit and reheal my body. However, I have found so many things that help minimize my symptoms. And I have learned and done so much education on PMDD that I feel like it's becoming more of my strength than my weakness. Yes, there is still the possibility that someday I won't win. There's still the possibility that I will experience some sort of inner destruction or out of destruction but I truly do believe that the more I practice, the better I will get. And that is change talk. A lot of women say they feel better. Um, I'm going to read a couple of uh, feedback posts that I've received from women who have had an ophorectomy. So removing at least the ovaries in some procedure. So ophorectomy or complete hysterectomy where they take both the, both the uterus and the um, ovaries. So I've had a hundred times better. I'm six years post-op and I'm way better. I still deal with depression and anxiety, but I can get through it better. I wish I could have done it earlier. So much better, life-changing better. Yes, lots better than when I had PMDD, still some rocky patches, but just being patient until everything settles. Yes, I'm four weeks post-op on HRT and I'm 
having crappy symptoms, but nothing that compares to the worst of PMDD? No. So it wasn't a benefit. Menopause made my mental issues worse. Yes, but no HRT. I tried HRT and it made me absolutely distraught. I also find that hormone-based pessary atrophy causes distress and migraines within an hour. I need to do some research on that. Um, I have significant bone loss in my hips and lower spine. I'm working out, but still um, that early menopause has been a problem for me. My moods are better, but I'm having breakthrough bleeding and cramps, which is driving me crazy. I'm not adjusting to HRT very well. So somebody talks about making sure that we talk about age. If you're younger than 40, you really need to have hormones in your body. If you're older than 40, uh, you need to consider having hormones. If you're 50 or older, you probably don't need the HRT. So I liked that input. I thought that was great. It absolutely saved my life coming up on five years post-op. It's been a process and I'm clawing my way back out, but I'm doing great. My only HRT is a low-dose estradiol patch that had been plenty of ups and downs, but overall complete turnaround. So somebody said, my moods have mellowed, but I'm not adjusting to the HRT well, and that's causing fluctuation. So this lady is two weeks post-ops and she said, I haven't had anything yet, but I feel a sense of peace and calm like I've never had before. So she's hoping that continues as she goes through her very first cycle. Somebody said, yes, it, it saved me and my marriage. And I have to agree to that. Anything to minimize PMDD will save a marriage. It is the hardest thing to have a close, vulnerable relationship with a marriage and I, my next PMDD real talk, I actually really want to discuss re what relationships look like with somebody with PMDD. And finally, somebody said, I have compl have them completely removed and my PMDD is gone, but I've suffered significant weight gain. So again, there's that, there's those all encompassing points that we have reached and we have talked about, about there is a devil to both sides of this coin. So some people are going to find that it cures it. Some people are going to find that this was not worth it. Some people are going to find reprieve in certain symptoms and not in others. Some people are going to discover that they have new problems and some people will opt to stay the same. So with that being said, again, going back to listening to our inner guts, trying a whole bunch of things first before we just make a rash decision doing a lot of research for yourself. The iapmd.org website is a spectacular resource for all things premenstrual disorders. I love them. I'm really only affiliated with them by if you buy from my shop on Adagio Fit. If you buy anything from my shop, I give them a portion of my proceeds because I love the work that they're doing. I'm not an ambassador for them yet. Shout out to IAPMD. Get me as an ambassador. I would love to be one um, <laughs> because this is really a passion of mine. But I really hope that you were able to think about maybe where you are at in your PMD and really consider maybe some things you have looked at and some things you haven't looked at. Maybe consider more natural ways. I know that there's lots of uh, supplements out there that tend to minimize symptoms, maybe not take it all away, but minimize symptoms. And I know that there's a lot of different therapies and practices that also can help you minimize symptoms. 
um, knowing that the majority of women who have a premenstrual disorder have one because uh, 80% of women have a PMD who have a PMD have experienced trauma in their life that uh, is being held up energy blockage in their body. So I think that there's a lot of discovery there to um, find different ways that are going to work for you. So it's trial and error. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% trial and error. But I hope this educated you a little bit. And we were able to discuss a little bit about why I've chosen to uh, keep PMDD right now. And maybe that will change in the future. But so far, I've made it, you know, one more cycle. And that's kind of my goal. I live by one more cycle. So all right. Thanks for joining me today on Listen and Know. And thank you that my microphone is actually on today because now I don't have to re-record this. All right, you guys, so much good here. Um, can't wait to talk to you more and educate you more on these things. Thanks for listening to Listen and Know. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative. Also, if you know someone who might benefit from this information and these ideas, please share this podcast and send people to the Adagio Fit website and Instagram account where there are more resources, past podcast episodes, and the ability to coach with me. Also, if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover, please let me know. I want to remind you that you are not alone. Millions of women around the world suffer from PMDs and there is help available. If you are struggling, please reach out to your doctor or a mental health professional. There are also many online resources available, such as my website, adagiofit.com, the Premenstrual Disorders Association website, pmda.org, or the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders, iapmd.org. Remember, health is personal and possible. You are not alone. Thank you for listening. Please note, this podcast is in no way to replace your primary care health doctor. I am not a doctor or a professional, and I ask that you consult with yours before you make any significant health changes. Thanks.